Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is a shortcast from The Word. It's like a podcast, but short. So we are joined this morning. I have to tell you, I'm really, really thrilled about this. We are joined by two members of the fabulous Blockheads. And they are introducers of Chaz Jankel. Chaz Jankel. That is good. <laughs> and uh, Derek the Draw Hustle. That's me, the very same. <laughs> but Chaz, you, I if people listening don't know this, Chaz was the co-author of all the really big Blockheads hits. Most of them, am I right? Hit me with your rhythm stick. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you said most. I'm glad you said most because that's true. Yeah, I mean, Sweet you know, Jean Vincent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremendous uh, achievement. Thank you. And how do you, I mean, we can now compare the Blockhead story with a with a movie that was made when it was yeah. like, two years ago, mm. which I went to see and I thoroughly enjoyed because I'm not mm. a member of the Blockhead, so I have absolutely no idea. This is Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, starring I think it was Andy Cur- uh, Circus. Circus, right? Yes. As, as so, what was your impression of seeing that film? Because, you know, Ian comes across as incredibly driven, um, very single-minded, and eventually rather kind of bitter, and, and he changes. Mm. Success changes him enormously. He becomes a less pleasant person. I mean, OK, let fair? me say this. That, that I've become aware that through being involved in this film, that, that there's a dramatic device used in films... Uh, it has nothing to do really with reality. It's a dramatic device, probably invented by the Greeks and their tragedies, whereby you probably have a maximum of about six characters. All the action centres around them. And they've built this kind of tragedy uh, that, the, the, well, the director and uh, the, the, the writer built this sort of tragedy and used Ian as a vehicle. So my, my real response to it is, and I haven't seen the movie uh, for two years, I saw it again yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, what I feel is, is that it's a kind of a visitor's guide or a, a beginner's guide to Ian Dury. It, say you, t- you took a tourist trip round London and you, you sat on an open-topped double-decker yes, bus. very good knowledge. And, and you travelled round. Oh, look, there's St Paul's. Oh, look, there's Madame Tussauds. Oh, look, there's the Shard. You'd see the tops of the buildings and you'd think, you'd come away thinking, I've seen London. I've, I've done London. I've done I London. That, that really is my view of that movie. It, it, it's an overdramatic representation of Ian. It's very black and white, so to speak, and all the sort of in-between tones, those shades aren't really there. But I think if you're interested in Ian... 
having seen the movie, then you go, you dig deeper, and then you find out a lot more about him. I can completely understand that. Uh, because, well, I mean, in some respects, what else can you do in a movie? Because you've got 90 minutes or whatever, and you've got to engage the attention of a load of people who, who may, may not know the story at all. But I, I could see that there were, there were gaps. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've discussed this. I mean, listen, it's no secret the band, the Blockheads, don't like the movie. But I can understand that because they're hardly featured in it. That The, the, the storyline is a very personalised vision from the writer, Paul Virag, who's a lovely bloke and he did a very good job. He never met Ian. Did he ever I, talk I, to you before? Did, he did. He, he did, did research it very well. I think, funnily enough, I mean, Derek Hussey is sitting right opposite us here and, and he's going to be involved in this the conversation uh, uh, from now on. But uh, I think... You're very welcome. Well, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to he's say is I think... school they... boy, is he? Me. So polite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, but anyway, um, I think they should have asked him more. I think they should have asked Derek more. They should have because Derek, you know, in a way, he was uh, is cut from a similar cloth to Ian. Um, shared a lot of the same sort of political views and, and humour. And I really think they should have got more of Ian's humour in the movie. They didn't. So uh, that's my real. No, that's fair enough, oh, Derek. You know, it'd be interesting because you can you can explain your involvement in the whole thing. You're always known as being his yeah. pal and his minder and Rodians and, uh, and so from from when? What what at what point were you first involved um, with the group? About 1998, actually, not with the group. With Ian, I met Ian in with about 88, and we have sort of become mates. And uh, I was in the special effects business. And with my two brothers, and I had sort of pretty much a lot of free time if I, if I needed it. So um, I just sort of um, started hanging out with him, you know, and stuff. And uh, when it comes to going out on the road, he asked me to go out with him. And, you know, I said, well, look, Ian, I ain't no kind of, you know, you've had Fred Rowe and a sulfate strangler. I'm no kind of, uh, you know, psychopathic heavy, you know, that you seem to associate with. He said, no, he said, well, I'll change my ways and we'll cuddle them at death from now on. <laughs> And I went, all right then. So, really, I wasn't a minder, I wasn't a driver, I was just someone that went along with it. It sort of freed Mickey up from looking after him while he was being in the band, you know, having to go and get him and stuff like that. I gave him a bit of independence because I had my own car and uh, I used to pick him up, take him to gigs, so he could travel independently with the band and the band would sort of be sort of slightly freer and less stressed. But at, at that point, was that the first you'd ever seen of the group? Did you ever see them in the early days? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was a big fan. I, you know, I bought the record down the, uh, you know... Nottingham Gate when it first came out and went to a few gigs, you know. Because they were so I was always a fan. fantastic. I was just thinking about yeah. it. But Ian was the man. Yeah, he was. He was using. You know, he was the first person really to have some down to earth lyrics in a rock and roll song, and not just a load of you know cloudy, lovey dovey, you know, sort of, uh, sort of non non sort of you know distinguishable lyrics. He actually had something to say, and he put it in an eloquent way with this sort of sophisticated or rough sort of. Uh, manner with this sophisticated music that was the Blockheads. Well, I can still remember whenever this came out, certainly I can still remember hearing for the first time this this verse. He, he said, "I could be a lawyer with stratagems and muses. I could be a doctor with poultices and bruises. What a great word, poultices! <laughs> I could be a writer with a growing reputation. I could be the ticket man at Fulham Broadway Station." What a waste. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that was amazing, because it was like, it was musical. It wasn't so much poetry. Poetry is something that stands separate from music. It, 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 it worked with music. It was metrically perfect. Do you think it was, it, it's it, amazing. It was extraordinary. Can I just, just add in at this point yeah. that Jemima Dury, his daughter, Ian Dury's daughter, has compiled a book of his lyrics, which is about to be uh, published and come out this year. And it's apparently... 
it's the biggest tome of his lyrics ever compiled. So um, anybody interested in Ian's ly- lyrics will be able to get it. It's called Hello Sausages, isn't it? Hello Sausages, <laughs> right? And, you know, <laughs> there's, his, there's his bits of his drawings and all his sort of musings and all, all yeah. compiled in a lovely book. She spent a long time doing it. Brilliant. And it's going to be great. And how did it work? Chaz composing those songs again in the film. It's like it's like what's the Doors movie. It all sort of comes together. Yeah. The Chaz Jankel character plays oh. a little tune, and somehow yeah. magically we've got you know yeah. it hit me with the rhythmic one yeah. of Sweet Jean Vincent or something. Yeah. But I mean, what, what, how did you make that work? The two of you. He obviously had had written. Had he written them first, and then you worked out the musical accompaniment. Well, or when we how? first started writing together, which was just at the end of uh, Kilburn and the High Roads, um, which was the last version of that was Ian and the Kilburns. Um, and I joined that band. Uh, I could see it was getting a little bit tired, a bit well-worn. So one day I said to him, do you fancy writing some songs? He said, oh, I'd love to. So he basically turned down gigs. He was at the top of the, the pub circuit. This is about 1977. And he just started writing. And, uh, you know, I used to go around to his flat at the Oval, near Kennington, and he used to present these typewritten lyrics. And uh, one of the first ones was Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. And uh, pretty soon after that was Sweet Jean Vincent. So when I first started writing with him, um, that was how we did it. You know, he presented lyrics and, and I would try and find the appropriate musical environment for it and melodies and things like that. But as time went by and he trusted me more, I would then offer up music to him because there was a, for example, on Do It Yourself, the next yeah. album after New Boots and Panties, the, the, the title, well, the opening track is a, is a song called In, In Between Is. Yeah, great song. And with that, I just gave him all the music. I had the whole piece worked out. He had a bit of a struggle to start with that because, um, technically speaking, he came in on the second beat of the bar. One, in the mirror. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it was all like, he said, what's, what's this? What, my furniture in the, in the room here? You know, because um, he was all used to, you know, he, all his writing up to that point was rhyming couplets. Completely. And always came down on the one. On the beat. On, on the Absolutely beat. Absolutely on the beat. So he didn't like this idea that, you know, oh, you know, um, you know he was, a, as I say, a little, a little bit fancy. An afterthought. <laughs> But, um, you know, t- to this day, we the Blockheads still perform that piece uh, in between is. And um, he, 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 you know, he he rolled with it after that. But um, so there was a development. And, it, and I haven't talked about Rhythm Stick, but that that was also, you know, inspired musically by myself. So, you know, as, as time went by, it, it balanced up. Sometimes I would offer him a piece of music. Sometimes he would give me a lyric. Absolutely brilliant combination. It's a fantastic combination. I remember you went on to make these wonderful records, Aina Carida, in the, in the mid which is described now, I think, as post-disco, I think. Post-disco. In genre. I thought they were wonderful songs. Thank you. But just very briefly, we're talking about this in, 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 on the way up, in, in the lift, actually, but I don't think you were actually in the blockheads this time. But I remember seeing them, uh, Friars Aylesbury, supporting The Clash. I remember The Clash was supporting them. I can't remember. It was fantastic. What were those? Just, just give us a snapshot of what those early gigs were like, because it just took off so fast, didn't it? Oh, well... Signed to Stiff, you know, that you know, first we, record. We, yeah, Amazing. yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I just mentioned Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick, but, I mean, uh, and obviously, you know, it, it, was a, it was a group... I mean, I love the song, and, in, you know, we, we, it's, we play it every, every time the Blockheads play, but leading up to that, the, the three months prior to that, we, we were really at the top of our tree. We were playing a lot of colleges, a lot of gigs. So we were on a roll. It was, uh, it was 77, 78, I, I think, and um, it was very exciting. I mean... Every time I did a gig with Ian, the, the audience went bananas. He had that Midas touch, um, whereby people just loved him. The audience loved him. We never played a quiet gig. The audience were ecstatic. So you're right, it was a crazy time. Uh, you know, very 
hyper-pumped-up time. And it did take its toll on Ian. I mean... Um, in what respect? Well, in the respect that he couldn't wind down after a gig. Um, he was often the last chicken in the shop. He had to be dragged out the hall. You know, the security were all looking at watches, <laughs> you know, wanted to go home. All the lights are up, the hoovering stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, basically. And, <laughs> and he was still there, away. you know, trying to, you know, <laughs> holding court, you know, uh, telling jokes and this and that. And, uh, you know, Derek would probably be pulling at one leg, trying to get one down. Not Derek, but Derek's predecessor. Predecessor. Um, you know, would be trying to get him out of the gig. But um, it was all fun and games, really. <laughs> he was so he was so incredible to watch. I thought it came over quite well in the movie, actually. He was such a... Uh, a theatrical personality. I mean, you, Derek, who obviously, I mean, we must come onto this, went on to, to in some respects, um, you know, take take his role. You know, you must have watched him very carefully from the wings. What yeah. was it about his performance? You think well, was so spellbinding because he had to stick to the mic and he couldn't move off of the mic, and um, he of was course. fairly static. He developed these sort of facials and these sort of something to do with his hands while he was, you know, in the, in the bits in between. Of course, you know. He said, you know, the bit in between is all very good. You know, if we write a song for Rod Stewart, what's he going to do while you're all playing your guitars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, he, he just invented things to do he, he, uh, in a joke shop or uh, some some clobber, some scarves, some little, you know, little m- movements and faces and a little bit of craziness. Then he might march in, in the music. He might just have a hobble up and down, waving his stick a bit. Uh, so yeah, it's always. You couldn't take your eyes off. They no, couldn't take your eyes. Yeah, off. Yeah, he was always lit very well. But, uh, he, he was lit. The from lighting below, was very important. And yeah. So he looked like a, he knew a all spectral face, you know. He knew all about that from his art school. And That's it, right, know, completely. So he knew exactly how he wanted his lighting, and uh, he was really good at all that. And a grandmaster, really. Yeah, you know, absolute top of his trade. So Derek, explain the story. I think we ran a piece about it actually in, in Word when it happened. But you eventually. Got the job. I mean, how did that happen? How, how did the how did the blockheads recruit you? Well, I was sort of winched in from the wings. I had a really good rapport with him because there was no wages involved. He didn't employ me. I was his mate who was hanging out with him. So I had a much more licence to, you know, have a little bit more... Con- well, I say control. There was no control to be had over him. But because he did, I wasn't on his payroll... He listened pay- to what you had to say. Because I wasn't on his payroll, he Very couldn't... He, he, yeah. You know, I could, he, he could, I couldn't be expected to dance to his tune because he wasn't paying me, you know. But I didn't think something was reasonable. I wouldn't do it, and there was no gophering or running about. It was helping him back off his ass if he fell over, and up the stairs with a with the uh, railing on the wrong side, and that was the only gig. At the part he used to call it my holiday job, but it wasn't really a job because there were no wages. <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know such fantastic fun to hang out with Ian and the band. You know the musical. I'd always been an armchair musician, so you know to hang out with Ian, who was you know one of my heroes. You know. Uh, his last four songs in his gig he used to build and build and you wouldn't think he'd have another ounce of energy or anything in him he was fit to drop at the end of the you know the, the, the gig he'd build yeah. it up his last Black Mound Man Sweet Jean Benson, absolutely you know, amazing what a waste uh, blockheads I mean, just so you think he wouldn't be able to do another one, he'd rip another rip snorter out, you know, and he'd walk oh, up drenched, and the, and the crowd just sort of loved him for that, you know. But I saw... I've seen the the Derek-era blockheads at least yeah. twice, I think. I saw you at Cornbury, terrific. And I saw you also very early on, I think, at Glastonbury Festival, yeah. playing in a little tent, which I think you had Phil Jupiter's with you there. Yeah. So various other... Were there any more than Phil? Was certainly no, Phil was in the group for a really. while, was he? No, it was Phil and you, I think. Yeah. Uh, Phil used to come along when he could... Uh, yeah. help us out because he knew all the lyrics yeah. and uh, 
But basically, we did it up. Chaz took on a couple. Johnny took on singing the hits. Johnny Turnbull, yeah. That's right. Way. He took on singing yeah, the yeah. hits. And they said, well, look, you've been out doing the hit misery, and, you know, if we're going to go out and hang about, you might as well do, do a couple. Like, you know, Clever Trevor was quite simple. Yeah. And I got the Fulham vernacular, so it wasn't really very hard. You know, I was born in Fulham. To... Um, you know, articulate the songs in a sort of a London sort of type manner, which was uh, eventually it transpired that, you know, Johnny had to have a few days off and I had to do all the songs and the boys said, well, look, that sounds much better if you do them all. It sounds so fantastic. I got gradually... I got winched into the middle, really. I got winched in from the wings. I wasn't exactly shouting, well, shouting, and, shouting and hollering, but... Um, and how, it was that, gradual. How, was, how was the crowd reaction? Well, pretty good, because it was pretty slow to start with, wasn't it? Uh, you know, we weren't doing that many gigs at first, and I was only doing a part of the show, some of the a bit of percussion and a few of the songs. But you know, as it's gradually tra- transcribed, it's been fantastic. You well, it's, it's it's brilliant. I think you're going to play a tune for us now. Is that right? Are you bought yeah, a guitar? Could, so I'm bought a guitar. We in that, a, in that yeah. effortless, slick Radio 2 way, we're yeah. going to just suddenly yeah. segue into a song. Actually, we'll have to well, stop and tune it, but uh, what, are you gonna, what are you going to play? Uh, it's a little knowledge. It's a dangerous thing. When we, uh, Chaz and I started writing together after Ian had gone for our, you know, a new tranche of work, uh, Chaz and the guys were never going to go out and, and, and do new boots and panties and uh, do it yourself forever. You know? yeah. They weren't interested in doing that, but they said, well, carry on, because you've got some great songs, but what we needed is some other songs so that we can mix and match and marry it in together so that we don't become stagnant and we don't look like we're sort of, you know, a take-off of ourselves. Absolutely. So well, The uh, sound you hear in the background is, in fact, with Ian in mind, taking an acoustic guitar out of a case. Very with Ian in mind, knowing how, what a funny little fucker he was, <laughs> uh, we, we'd uh, put this one together. And, you know, Chad started me off with a pencil. And we've, Did uh, I? It really, you know, encouraged funny. me to, you know, get a bit of paper and pencil out. So, uh what was this on staring down the barrel? Yeah. Uh, from ninety, uh, from two thousand and. We never tuned. You said earlier on. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Actually. I know it's very funny. I, I, no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very. Uh... No, it's somehow tuning doesn't seem to be part of a, of a sort of blockhead's. Uh... Uh, M.O., does it? You, you no. think it wouldn't be necessary? Mind you, go into Johnny Turnbull's place, he was the guitar player in the Blockheads. Every guitar is perfectly in tune, always. And all probably sitting in stands. Yeah. Probably the electronic tuners well, strapped to the top of them. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> you can just brush against one, it's, you know, bling, it rings like a bell. It's beautiful. But, um, no. I think we're ready to go. Yeah, right. go on. Lovely. Ready? Right. On water with his sandals made of cork. Shakespeare always turned up trumps and showed us ways to talk. Charles II lost his everybody's ideas above his station. Adolf Hitler became unhinged while strumming up a nation. Darwin sold the human chain, the strands of evolution. Einstein read and followed his thread and worked out the solution. So cut through all the bullshit, call 
a spade, a spade. Just a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. A potent marionade. Moses thought he'd chops it off with his hands made of stone. Elliot Ness met his match when he collared Al Capone. Isaac Newton grasped the theory that works out why things plummet. And Sherbert Sensing found himself whilst wanking on the summit. Napoleon was only small but left a large impression. Leonardo thought he knew it all and taught himself a lesson. So fill it out the nonsense, remove all that's absurd. Cause a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, so consider every word. Every word. Putin was a maniac who got it slightly wrong. Tchaikovsky knew how to syncopate and wrote the dying swan. Pavlova was a dancer, not a pudding platter. And Oscar Wilde disguised himself and started idle chatter. Nero played a violin whilst the fire burnt down low. Captain Cook lost his way 500 yards from home. So wait up all the info, scrub your loaf of bread. Cos a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, so a clever bar steward said. Oi! Bridget Bardo loved her poodles. Chairman Mao only had one coat and Pol Pot's got his noodles. Nelson sailed, a man of war, and Michelangelo worked in clay. <laughs> Sam Beeps kept a diary. Check off, wrote a play. May West went to night school. Stephen Hawkins, he's a klutz. Van Gogh only had one ear. And Gandhi liked it hot. So fill it out the nonsense, remove all that's absurd. Oh, yeah. Cause a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, so consider every word. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing, so consider every word. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing, so consider every word. The word. To possibly get across our appreciation of that fantastic song. There ain't half been some clever bar stewards. Yeah, There's really. I tell you, oh, the lyrics are so funny. I was, I was wondering what the, the, the rhyme to plummet would be, and in fact it was summit, but I had a, no idea that the word wanking was going to precede it. Well, <laughs> and I thought that if there was ever an assessment of the Second World War, I think Adolf Hitler became unhinged while drumming up a nation. I mean, you don't need to write these books, do you? That's the psychological portrait you need. Yeah. Absolutely, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and that presumably will be in the set on, on, on June, uh, the, yeah. June, June the 12th. Yeah, it's a stalwart these yeah. days, isn't yeah. it, Dan? 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always a fun song to play. I love playing that. It's like our new Billericky Dicky in a way, yeah. isn't it? That's a lovely song. Well, the gigs are on the on the twelfth, and uh, Norman Watroy, of course, is still in the group. Oh yeah, uh, Mickey. Uh, yeah, uh, John. Yeah. Who, yeah. Uh, yeah. How many original members? Quite, quite a few, actually, isn't it? Four. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. Charlie's died. Unfortunately, Ian's gone. So we've got new drummer and me, and um, and Davy Payne. Davy Payne do gigs lives really, down in Cornwall now. Um, so, so he still occasionally plays with you? Yeah, yeah. West yeah. Country. We played down the southwest of England. You know, he's the first one we call. And, uh, you know, it's lovely playing with Davey. Yeah. And Gilad Atzman, our sax player. Yeah. You know, Brilliant. Israeli well, it's going to genius. be a fantastic night. Thanks so much for coming in. And it's... Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's on June the 12th. Lovely to see you. Great. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. You've been listening to a Word Shortcast. For more information, go to www.wordmagazine.co.uk.